Welcome to the Parenting Well podcast with Parent Engagement Network. I'm Dr. Shelley Mann, your host, and today you are listening to Parenting Well, where we know that parenting well is challenging and that all parents are the best parents they know how to be. We firmly believe that the foundation for raising happy, healthy youth is for us as parents to fill our own well with useful, reliable, credible information, tools, and strategies. Having a well of resources leaves us more engaged, educated, and empowered to support our children in being strong, resourceful, confident, and resilient in the face of life's many challenges and adventures. So let's fill that well. Today's well source is Paige Trevor. Paige is a certified parent educator and parent coach and the owner of an organizing business called Balancing Act. This was inspired by a desire to help parents clear the clutter from their life so that they can focus on having a good relationship with their kids. Having seen the impact of disorganization within businesses and families, Paige used her blend of empathy, humor, cheerleading, and as she likes to describe it, a wee bit of tough love to help families clear the way for more satisfying lives. Paige is also one of the speakers at our upcoming virtual stress and anxiety conference that's taking place on January 29th and 30th. So you can sign up for her workshop and others on our website, which is www.penbv.org. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for having me. So it's exciting to hear a little bit more about what you do. And I know that that you've done so much with parents to help them just really establish a great relationship with their kids. So tell us a little bit about the type of organizational issues that you've seen when you're working with families. So I find that parents get into sort of circular fights with their kids around topics like cleaning up the kid's bedroom, like picking up trash from their snacks things like getting chores completed in the time frame the parent wants the chore completed in and even just establishing regular routines can be hard for parents you know especially now during the pandemic wake up time bedtime what's the cell phone time all of those things are are hard for parents yeah that's an excellent point i i think that that's always been an issue i know in raising my own kids that was an issue like even getting them out the door for school and <laughs> all the things that have to have to happen at one time. And the pandemic has certainly made that more challenging. Do you think that this is different developmentally for younger kids versus older kids? Like what kind of advice would you give parents with children of different ages? Yeah, so little kids, I just think we have way more control and um, authority than we, than we let on. Like for example, we had this issue when my kids were like seven and nine about leaving microwave popcorn bags around. And we did all the talking and problem solving. And then finally one day I realized that I was the person buying the microwave popcorn and that I had full 100% control over not buying them. So we took a two week break from the popcorn bags and it gave me time to simmer down and not be angry every single day. And it gave them some time to miss the popcorn or not miss the popcorn. And then I think I started buying it again, but I just remember the issue was resolved by my own um, taking control over it. When kids get older, we have much less authority and control, but I find parents of teens either try to exert extra control or they give up. And as a parent of a teen, you need to find that magic middle where you let go without abandoning and you help kids without enabling them. Mm, It's trickier with teens, I think. 
I think it's challenging to find that magic middle. Can you share an example of what that would look like? Yeah. So for example, let's say waking up, right? So, so a lot of times we don't expect our kids to wake up on their own. And a parent of a teenager that finds they have a 14 year old, let's say that is not waking up to their own alarm clock. They will either keep waking them up, which is enabling, or they'll say, you know, buddy, it's up to you now. I'm done. You're, no one's going to help you in college. And they don't do any training. So the in-between thing to do, that Buddha's middle way would be, you would say to your 14-year-old, listen, I'm no longer willing to be your alarm clock. It's not working for us. We're fighting over it too much. So how about we go online, here's your budget, pick out an alarm clock, because don't let them use their phone for an alarm clock. And so then you get the alarm clock and you say, let's figure out how to use it. And for this week, I will, I'd be willing to come up and turn on your light if you can't wake up. And then you let the child experiment with what kind of waker upper they are. Because, you know, I'm a popper out of better and my husband is a lay in better to the last minute. And it's good to know which kind of waker upper you are. So it's letting the kids experiment make a few mistakes and take time for that training. What I hear you saying really is that it gives them an opportunity then to learn about themselves and to gradually move into this rather than this black or white kind of it. Exactly. Well said. So these kinds of things can also be related to organizational issues. And I know that organization can have a really big impact on behavioral problems. And so I'm curious what you would have to say about how organization or lack thereof can have an impact on that sort of thing. Yeah. I always say like the more surface area you create around which to have fights, the more fights you'll have. So the more toys you have in the toy realm, the more times you're going to have to fight about it. And I remember talking to a much more experienced parent educator when my kids were little and I was going on and on about the playroom. And she just looked at me and she said, Paige, when I was little, I had a toy box. And now you guys create these rooms for the kids. And again, this was another moment where I realized I had sort of created this problem myself. So I think, um, simplifying your life is really helpful for simplifying the relationship too. You just have much less to to fight over and the kid has much less to be distracted by. That's a great point. And how would that look different for an older kid, this kind of organization and simplification? Yeah. So it's easier, I find with bigger kids because they're very much more interested in screens. So, but I think where we need to help the bigger kids more with organization is that time management piece, which is such a, um, elusive skill for lots of lots of adults have trouble with time management. So creating that routine that's both flexible, but predictable can help ratchet down, you know, anxiety and help people figure out when is homework time and when is eating time and not inventing that every single day. Our brains work, our brains are lazy. So our brains do today what we did yesterday. And if we can create those grooves in our head that homework time is from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., once you get into that routine, you don't need as much motivation because it becomes a habit. I think that calendars, for example, are, you know, that's one of the strategies. And I know I've shared with, with my own children that uh, if you, if you have it in your calendar, then you can stop worrying about it. You don't have to think anymore. Absolutely. And teaching kids that planning your day is different than doing your day. 
And mm. planning your day can be a lot of fun, right? Because you don't actually have to do anything. So giving kids that idea that we can plan our day ahead of time. And then through that structure, we won't do 100% of what we said we're going to do. But if we get to around 85%, then that's a really successful calendar day. You mentioned stress and anxiety. And I think uh, this is the topic of our upcoming conference is stress and anxiety. And I think it's a really important conversation to have. What other things do you have in terms of recommendations for parents on how to help your children manage stress and anxiety in a world where even the terminology is so common and it has such a big impact on how you live your day-to-day life? Yeah. So I think one really overlooked thing is having fun. So stress cannot live with laughter and fun. And a lot of times I think parents prioritize productivity over having fun with their kids. And it's almost like during these high stressful times, we have to turn it on its head. So sitting down and watching those TikToks with your child and laughing heartily or playing that board game you've been avoiding for so long or listening to the play-by-play plot summary of whatever book your child has read is such a gift to give your child that will help them with their anxiety. The second thing I'd say is slow down because anxiety has a hard time living and when you slow down. So talk more slowly when you're feeling anxious or your child's feeling anxious and slow down the urgency with which things have to get done. And the last thing is just annoying because it's a tip everybody gives, but really physiologically sleep is such a great antidote to stress and anxiety. And so making sure as much as you can, that blue light of our devices is off about an hour before you want children to go to sleep and giving them plenty of time to sleep. So you've, you've mentioned technology a few times. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's a pretty critical conversation for us to have for kids of all ages in different ways. They interact with technology. So how, how can parents understand that we are living through a time where kids are trying to connect with each other virtually And they also aren't able to do some of the activities they would typically do, which may mean that they're online more, they're doing other activities online. How do parents have this conversation with their kids about technology, the impacts of technology and how to manage it in an appropriate way? I think we start talking about technology with some humility that we don't know the best answers because we've never been through a pandemic and we have never been a kid that's been raised with technology. Parents got technology when we were in our teenage years. So there's a lot of us not knowing, especially when you talk with teenagers, that humility goes a long way. Hey guys, I'm not exactly sure what to do, but it feels in my heart of hearts that everyone's on their screen too much. What do we think is in a reasonable amount for the week? And then start having them give you feedback. And I find a lot of times kids, when you start off that way, and I also suggest parents start those conversations with an apology, which sounds like, you guys listen, I'm sorry, I've been so inconsistent about screen time. And then when I uphold the limit, I yell and I nag and I'm a little bit irrational. That must be hard to put up with. And apologizing doesn't mean you're wrong. Apologizing means we have steps in the dance that have created too much screen time. And when we start off with that apology, I just see that teenagers lean into the conversation. Yeah, mom, tell me more a little bit about how you're irrational. I agree with that. And then through that little lens, you get them in 
and then they start talking. And when we give teens the chance to talk about it, I find they are more restrictive about the hours than we expect them to be or more reasonable. Sure. And that sounds like another one of those opportunities to find that magic middle. Uh, and what I hear you really saying, and I know as a parent coach and coaching tends to involve less telling people what to do and more just kind of providing some options and some recommendations. They're really at an age where it's appropriate to say, what are those times that we want to do this? How do we want to be like this with a family? Maybe even you can call me out when I'm on my phone too much. Absolutely. And that's what I was just coaching someone just today about, um, you know, the 11 year old who's like, mom, how can you possibly even talk about screens? Cause you're on your screen all the time. And the knee jerk reaction is to go into explaining why you get to be on your screen all the time because you're making all the money as the parent. And instead I suggested that she say, you know what, babe, you're right. And then start the conversation from there. So what other kind of issues do you see a lot as someone who is a parent coach? The kids' mental health, that depression and anxiety piece has come up a lot. And how do we get these kids outside? How do we get them to exercise? How do we get the devices out of their bedrooms? And so the advice I've been giving a lot of is, first of all, to give yourself some grace. Second of all, don't come up with any limit that you're not willing to uphold. So kids know, they know you, and they know you're not going to uphold some really stringent limit if you haven't already. And that really, again, that fun and connection piece should be at the top of your list of things to do. There's um, another professional organizer wrote a parenting book called Time to Parent, uh, Julie Morgenstern. And in it, she, she writes about what kids really need are short bursts of um, one-on-one time with you where you really dive into their world. And it's about how many minutes the age of your kid is. So seven minutes, a few times a day with a seven-year-old or 15 minutes, maybe even once a day with a 15-year-old where you're fully present, where you're interested in what they're talking about, where you're listening or you're having fun together is a way that then you can help work on all these other problems like anxiety, depression, and too many screens. Well, who doesn't like to have full attention of the people that they love, right? And I think children really need that right now. Now, I know that also what's what's sort of happening at the same time that all this is happening for our kids is our parents are having to deal with their own reorganizing and uh, restructuring the way they live their life, how they work. Some parents are homeschooling. And I would imagine that you're seeing a lot of parents who are struggling with that balance for one, and also worried that their kids aren't getting everything that they need. So is that something that's come up and how have you dealt with that? Yeah, definitely. I I think, you know, in terms of people that are doing e-learning, not necessarily homeschooling, I've really been advising parents to be the parent and not try to be the co-teacher. And so that means that your job is to set up the structure and your job is to provide the love and admiration and your job is to, create an organized space that's clutter-free where kids can focus and to really leave the teaching and the advising up to the teachers and to ask for help from the school counselor should you need it. I've also been advising a lot to make micro changes for short periods of time. So instead of like, okay, people, here are the new stringent screen rules or here's the new homework established time that we're gonna do it to say from now, let's say after the holiday break, from now until the end of January, this is going to be the screen time. We'll do a little research. We'll see what works. We'll see what doesn't. Rather than there's a new sheriff in town kind of mentality that's just too tiring. 
And that, that makes it a little more approachable for kids. Yeah, I, I think that one of the things that I'm hearing a lot of parents say is that they're worried that their children aren't getting the same level of instruction, perhaps, because teach, our teachers are also having to learn and adapt and try to do the same thing they would normally do in a classroom in an online environment. And some of the things that I've, I've heard parents say is this is really frustrating because they're scared and they're worried for their children. And so when I hear you talk about relaxing a little bit, having a little bit of fun, uh, not, not taking all the responsibility for where their kids are at in terms of schooling, I hear a bit of a, a break for parents that maybe they don't have to be in this place of panic per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, do you have any thoughts around that? So this is, I just think this is a giant experiment and nobody has the answers. And I think that when we make decisions, I mean, physiologically, when you make decisions, when you're in fight, flight, or freeze, they're not creative and they're usually not relationship building and they're not very effective. So parents getting a whole, a, a good handle on their own nervous system, I think is, it should also be at the, at the top of their things that they're doing in addition to having fun with their kids, but nobody really knows, you know, sometimes I think we're trying to win the pandemic. And I think if we put that down, we will, we'll all benefit. We're just doing, all of us are doing the best we can with the situation we've got and nobody has an ideal situation. And all parents are dealing with the same thing. It's not that Mm -hmm. their child is uniquely struggling with this. Around the world. Yeah. Whatever the fallout is, it's Mm going to be pretty similar. Literally. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. I think that it's a, it's a challenging time. One of the things that I've seen is that there are certain things that are difficult when you're raising kids. And when some other thing is piled on top of that, like a divorce or a pandemic or just a major life change, then it takes something that's already challenging to a whole different level. And I imagine you've seen parents in this panic state or really, really struggling beyond what you've seen in the past. Yeah, definitely. Lots of struggle. And what I have really found is so helpful and enjoyable is to get groups of parents together to talk about these common problems. And what happens is, is everybody realizes they're in the same boat and through the talking and the problem solving together, you also realize, Hey, I'm good at this. And we have this handled in our family, but I'm not so good at this. I could get some advice on that so that we all have strengths and weaknesses. And when parents come together, we just get laughter and we get that everybody's going through the same thing. And we get to both give advice and receive advice. And everybody gets off those group phone calls just with a little bit of pep in their step. Yeah. Normalizes it, right? Yeah. You're not the only one. Right. So as parents and professionals who, who really work with young people on a regular basis, how, how do you feel parents need to show up for their children? We've talked a little bit about, you know, how do we structure our lives? How do we communicate a little differently? How do we make sure relationship is at the forefront? What can parents do and how can they show up for their kids on a day-to-day basis? I think parents um, can show up as much as they can as just who they are right now. And I think it's okay for parents to have bad days. I think you know, yelling isn't so great and losing your temper isn't so great. But to say to a child, I'm stressed out right now, I'm going to go take a bubble bath or I have so much work to do. 
uh, let's make an appointment to talk about that essay tomorrow. And showing up how you really are, I think is very encouraging to kids. I, at the beginning of the pandemic, the, the advice I was giving was, I called it lead and lean, so that you both are leading your family, but then you say to your family every now and then, you guys, I, I'm at empty, what should we do tonight? And you have the kids pick the movie and you have them plump the pillows and make the snack. And so each person has a chance to lead and lean. And I find that encouraging in families. Kids like helping. Do you feel like in some ways this has made families closer? Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I mean, my kids are 21 and 22 and my husband traveled all over for years and years. And I'll say in March and April, we had never had that many family dinners ever. I mean, it was a world record and it was very nourishing and fabulous, not without its bumps. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, you know, yeah, just the time together, the copious times together, I think really has made it that there's more conflict. And I try to tell parents to not feel bad that there's more conflict, because I'm like, there's just so much surface area, you guys, but also these loving, warm, cozy times we never would have expected. And more conflict. uh, Honestly, it's kind of an opportunity in some ways to really learn how to interact differently with each other. And I know for myself, conflict management skills go way beyond my interactions with my family, but also into my other relationships. Absolutely. Could you share a little bit about what you think parents can do in those situations of high conflict? Yeah. When parents are in high conflict, I think the main thing parents should do is to not fight when they're feeling really angry. Because again, physiologically, when your brain has been hijacked and you're in a win-lose situation, like either that child picks up that room right now or else I'm losing, that's not the time to come up with a creative solution. And then really a lifelong skill that it takes forever to get to be able to stop yourself in those moments. But when to always be okay with circling back, right? So that didn't work out very well when we were talking about cleaning up bedrooms. How can we manage that a little bit better next week when it's time for tidy? Yeah. So the circle back is one that I love that if if something bothers you, you don't have to deal with it necessarily in the minute. You You can deal with it later. We had something when my kids were little that really helped me with conflict. And we had a little piece, we had a big piece of paper on the refrigerator and we called it the slot bucket. And it was a container to put when you were mad about something that you could bring it up at family meeting on Sunday. And I found that so many conflicts, I could just go to the slot bucket and write it down and maybe 10 to 20% of them were worthy of talking about at the family meeting. But just having a container to put your aggravations on was so helpful to not talk about it in the moment, but also feel like you're going to be heard. What an excellent idea. Some of those things are just going to go away. Absolutely. Yeah. Or resolve on their own. Absolutely. But writing them down really helped me then not be mad at people and scold and shame. So you mentioned family meetings and some people may not know what a family meeting is or what the structure can look like. How would you organize a family meeting and why would, why would a parent want to do that? So family meetings are really set up to do group problem solving. And so I always advise parents to not do family meetings to solve their problems, but to start family meetings by solving the kids' problems. So how much screen time and how much sugar and you know, how late they can stay up. Because once kids realize that family meetings are for everybody, including them, they'll come to it happily. Once you've established that, then you can start adding in 
family problems that you bring up. If you start off a family meeting with, listen, I've gathered everybody here together because we got to really work on cleaning up the kitchen. You're going to get a bunch of kids allergic to the family meeting. <laughs> but once you've established it, it's a, it's a place where everybody can get their problems solved. You make it short, 20 minutes maximum, use a timer. You start off with appreciations where everybody goes around and says what they appreciate about other people and their people are invited to give appreciations. They're not forced to, then you might choose your chores for the week. You can give allowance then, and then you solve one family problem. So it could be again, bedtime, it could be screen time, it could be whatever. And then you end family meeting with figuring out what you're going to do that week for family fun so that you want to start and end those family meetings with something positive and something for the kids. How do you, how do you choose the one issue that you work on? (laughs) Well, you know, we in family meeting try to do consensus. So what, which one came up, what is everybody willing to work on this week? And, um, and, and usually people, people know where the conflict lives in the family. I find mm-hmm. that when you treat kids like they're going to be cooperative, they are much more cooperative. Mm-hmm. They step into the shoes that you give them. Yeah. Yes. So what else would you like to leave people with today? Well, I would like to leave people with that. There's so much parenting help out there. So this podcast, for example, and, and um, that don't be shy about asking for help right? From, from parenting experts, from therapists, from your friends. And I always, I've been telling people that when you ask for help from someone, you are giving that person a gift of they get to feel their own mastery. They get to help you. They get to feel good about themselves later. So that asking for help is a real skill that helps you and the person who you're asking for help from. So don't be shy during these times and definitely don't feel like you need that definitely do not feel like some other family has got all the answers, no matter what you see on Instagram or Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, isn't that true? Yeah. Everyone is challenged. One of our mottos at Penn is that we take the fear, shame, blame, and loneliness out of parenting. Because I think that when we are struggling, it's a bit of a tendency for us as parents to pull into ourselves and feel bad or feel completely 100% responsible or think something goes wrong with us. And I really think that parents need some of that self-love, self-care, little normalizing, and, and lots of advice from other parents. I mean, this is a, parenting is relative to every family. And it's, it's uh, an experience that I think everyone can benefit from hearing what's worked and not worked for other people. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the experts have had all their own problems too, right? So uh, people become experts because they're solving their own problems. So just don't be shy. Mm -hmm. Well, I really appreciate you gave some great concrete recommendations for parents on how to how to live through today and how to manage the pandemic and manage organizing and relationships and communication. It's just wonderful stuff. So thank you so much for sharing. And we can't wait to have you come and share your workshop at our virtual stress and anxiety conference this year. So appreciate you. So thank you so much for having me. So to hear more from Paige or some of our other presenters, please go to our website at www.penbv.org to sign up for our virtual stress and anxiety conference that's coming up January 29th and 30th. And if you're inspired, there's also an option on our website to make a donation or even become a sponsor 
Uh, we hope today's conversation has added to your parenting well, and that the information and insights that you share that were shared will help you in raising healthy, happy kids. It's an honor to have you join us. And until next time, happy parenting. <laughs>